everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today we're going to be talking about female biology across the lifespan, putting together a whole bunch of things I've already talked about um, and adding some more in, but a lot of guys kind of want this in one place so they can really understand the impact of biology and hormones on their wife's psyche and her responsivity and, uh, you know, obviously her sexual desire or lack thereof, etc. And uh, you should definitely subscribe because tomorrow I'm going to be talking about male biology across the lifespan and that's a subscriber only episode so you got to subscribe to hear about that and if you are a guy that can also help you understand um, what I've seen in my practice uh, comes up at different stages in life and also to articulate better um, things about yourself to your wife. Like a lot of guys have, uh, you know, really used my stuff as a way to helpfully understand um, and frame things that they've already kind of thought, but some guys don't, no guy talks as much as me. <laughs> Not some guys. <laughs> no guy does. And probably. And uh, so the way that I can verbalize things helps them to understand more about themselves, things that they've only felt or um, maybe tried to say to their wives, but they didn't have the language that their wife would understand. So anyway, subscribe to hear that. But today we're focusing on female biology across the lifespan. So I'll tell you what it's like to be a female. Um, okay, so do you know when a woman starts to get her period? So menarche, uh, the first period, that's around 12. It could be like anywhere in your adolescence, but I think average age is 12. So that's when the sex hormones turn on. And the woman has estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. A lot of people think women don't have testosterone. Of course they do. That is um, the sex drive and, uh, you know, being proactive and aggressive type of hormone. And everybody has it. Women just have a lot less of it than men do. But they still have it. It peaks at 6 a.m. during the day. And the other ones, though, they don't change over the day. They change over the course of the month. So the average monthly cycle of menstruation is 28 days with ovulation coming at the 14th day. A lot of women, when they start off when they're young, so your daughter, if you have one, she doesn't maybe have a regular cycle, but, but, but many women do. And if they don't, if it's really not a regular cycle, there may be other things at play like uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis if your wife has either of those. But um, overall, all women have regular monthly cycles. However, now comes a big thing. A lot of women starting in adolescence or young 20s start to go on hormonal birth control, you know, particularly oral contraceptive, so the pill. So if your wife is on the pill or if she was always on the pill, now you say, why was she always on the pill? She said she only slept with me. <laughs> okay, but um, A, like, yeah, okay, fine. That could be the truth. But also it's not just for contraception. It's also to regulate hormones because basically what it does is it makes your body think you're like in the early stages of pregnancy all the time. You don't ovulate anymore. So this can clear up some of skin problems. A lot of women in their adolescence they have acne and that's because like the hormones are not the um I mean the hormones may be fine but they're they're just not in a good place for the skin maybe there's like too much testosterone too little estrogen whatever so then they end up with with the the oral contraceptives regulated so that the woman has the clear glowing skin of early pregnancy <laughs> but she's not really pregnant just the body is tricked into not um not ovulating and therefore not menstruating because if you don't ovulate, you know, so ovulation happens. I don't know how like granular we need to get here. But anyway, she um, doesn't 
menstruate when she's on the pill. You may say, yes, she does menstruate when she's on the pill. Yes, she does. But it's a fake period. It's not like a real period. It's just, uh, it's when there's sugar pills in the pack. So she doesn't have to menstruate when she's on the pill. This was just more common, in fact, years ago that you would have your kind of a fake period where you don't take the pill. So the uterine lining that has built up for the baby, the baby that isn't there because um, she's not really pregnant. So that uterine lining builds up and up and then you don't take the pill for like five days and then, or a week or whatever, and then the uterine lining comes out. So that's the period. But it's not like a period in the natural sense that her body is deciding when there's a period. It's made by the hormones that she's ingesting. So she doesn't have to have the period. So other types of pills, like they just don't do that week. And the woman takes the same pill every day. And so she never gets her period. And that's more common now. Um, There's other types of hormonal birth control too. But the entire point of why I'm saying this is Hormonal birth control gets sort of the ovulation phase, so therefore she may not have the same sex drive as she would have had otherwise. This is a super big thing, and I have friends that are in this situation and many clients that they go off hormonal birth control that they um, were on from the early 20s or even before for their skin or what have you, or to regulate their periods, and um because as I just said, the periods are super regular because they're not natural anymore. They just come when the pill tells them to come. And um, therefore, they could be predicted, which is important for young girls. But anyhow, so it, it doesn't allow you to ovulate. So that entire two-week window that I'm always talking about, about when the body naturally wants to make a baby ramping right up until usually the 14th day, that isn't there. So the woman, when she goes off hormonal birth control frequently to make a baby, once she's married, she has a higher sex drive than she ever had before. And so a lot of women feel also their mood changes because there's a lot of mood effect of uh, the different hormones in the pill. So a lot of women felt very um, moody and, quote, crazy when they took the birth control pill. I did myself when I tried it many years ago. Really didn't like it. Felt bloated and moody because, again, it's like early pregnancy. So when women go off of it, it's interesting. And this is something that um, you probably don't know as a guy if you're listening, maybe not as a woman. But a lot of women at that point very much regret having been on the pill. And they get mad. (laughs) And some of them get mad at the guy, which is really stupid, kind of, because he didn't. No, I I never heard of a man be like, I'm not going to be with you unless you get on the pill. And a woman not understanding, at the very least, that that's a big fucking red flag, you know. But um, most guys are just like, oh, like, I don't want to use condoms. Like, are you going on the pill? And... That also happens, by the way, that men say, I will use condoms, but she says, no, I'll go on the pill because many women don't trust condoms or what have you. Either way, the couple decides because it seems like there's no side effects. It seems like, oh, okay, we'll just, she'll just go on the pill and then we'll be able to be close. I could come inside her and, you know, don't have to use a condom. But there are side effects. The side effects are just not frequently discussed. And women have varying levels of these side effects. So... 
uh, many women have no idea what their sex drive would have been in their earlier life without the pill. And so they regret it once they go off it and they don't want to go back on it. And then the man who then has to use condoms is annoyed because he thinks like, what's the damn difference? And she's trying to explain it and they don't remember any difference anyway. But I'm telling you the difference. The difference is that, of course, you feel many, many different things when your body isn't artificially in this uh, state where you don't ovulate, you don't menstruate, then you feel more sometimes clear-headed, less moody, and also you feel more sexual desire. So when I work with young women and they say they have no sexual desire, I frequently ask about birth control. And in at least a few cases when they've gone off birth control and they've done other methods of contraception, their sex drive is a lot higher. And sometimes, interestingly, their depression goes away. So um, so that is interesting, something to think about, even if you have a daughter. Um, and it's not just uh, talking about you or, or your wife, depending on who's listening to this. So anyway, that's the period of a woman's life when she decides about birth control. Sex drive is obviously, I say obviously because to me it's obvious, but there's a lot of misinformation about this. Sex drive is higher when you're most fertile. Whoa. Oh, like fucking of course but there's this whole like media thing that some women have their sexual prime in their 40s that's different that's when women have feel more open more confident and for some women they're finally off the fucking birth control as i just said many times the husband's had a vasectomy or they themselves have just decided that they are never gonna have the baby so maybe they have you know a different iud that doesn't have hormones or whatever and they're more confident. They've done a lot more reading and thinking about what they want in bed. They've done a lot more, um, you know, psychotherapy. And they are more confident and finally able to verbalize what they need. And that is a mental switch that can make women feel like they are in their sexual prime. But your body is in its sexual prime when you're younger, of course, because evolutionarily you're supposed to have a baby when you're younger, as we know from rates of... Um, you know, how successful pregnancies are at different ages, rates of birth defect, etc. So we're supposed to have babies, obviously, when we're younger. And that is when both genders are more sexually responsive, literally, physically, sexually responsive and have higher levels of desire. But if society has told a given, you know, gender women that it is slutty or bad to, you know, want sex, then you're going to take in more of those messages and take them more to heart when you're younger. And when you're older, you may have sloughed off some of those societal constrictions. So you feel more sexually open mentally, which is why many women initiate things like open marriages or exploring kinks in their 40s. Um, another reason is because their physical sex drive has gone down. So they're trying to kind of wet the whistle there by, by trying new things. Um, so anyway, so let's go back to the lifespan. So we've gotten up to the 20s. Women have high sex drives. They also though want to have a baby and many of them start to have a baby. When you're pregnant, some women have a high sex drive. Some women have a low sex drive. Either way, you feel moody and you feel, um, you know, fat and there's a life inside of you. This can go either way. Some women feel sexy when they're pregnant. Some women don't. Um, this is also when a lot of women start to, you know, think about their body as some strong life-giving machine and have for the first time in their life, good body image when they're pregnant. I've seen that too, not just bad body image, good body image. The nursing time, however, when you're breastfeeding, that's menopause for your body. You have the same sex drive as you do in menopause because your body is saying, 
Don't have sex. Don't make a new baby. You're already feeding a baby. Don't make a new baby. You already have a baby. And that is a good lesson <laughs> from your body because it is hard to have two babies very close together, obviously, and in you know earlier times would really uh, lower the chances of both of them surviving. Nowadays, you know, there's different kind of uh, medical care and most babies survive. But when it was, you know, back in the day, uh, before all of our technological advances, it would be much likelier to not have two babies survive if they came very close together. So while you're breastfeeding, many women don't even menstruate. But as soon as you stop breastfeeding through the night, then your body no longer thinks you have a small baby. So then your period comes back and you're fertile again. So this is, um, it is totally normal to not want sex when you're breastfeeding. However, for the sake of your marriage, it is not totally normal if you breastfeed for two years, which uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, I believe, now recommends to be celibate for two years. So that's one of those times where you want to kind of work on other ways to get your libido up or at least to be open to the idea of responsive desire. As a woman gets into her 30s, her 40s, so so. Menopause happens at 52. I've tried to tell this a million times. That's the average age of menopause. 10 years before that, so you're looking at 42, is perimenopause. But things aren't like, you know, things don't just happen one day and then never before or never after. So from the minute you're born, you're dying. <laughs> the same with your hormones, pretty much. So they turn on in puberty and then they go down until menopause, right? And then they kind of shut off in various ways. You really do not have a lot of estrogen and progesterone after menopause. So in perimenopause, that's the in the 40s, a lot of women feel a big decrease in biological desire, although may, they may be more open-minded as I just uh, told you about because their hormones are beginning that steep decline, which they were beginning in the 30s too, but it wasn't as obvious. Uh, for some people, it is obvious. For some people, it's not. So, and also remember, women don't introspect a lot about their levels of sexual desire until they feel like a big change. Like men, you know, like if they somehow don't get an erection, they're thinking about it for the next three weeks. For women, it's like if you miss having an orgasm once, it just means, uh, oh, it's called being female. And, um, you know, that, that's it. Like a lot of women do not even orgasm regularly enough to know if there's some sort of steep decline or certainly not an incremental decline in desire levels. Um, so in about the 40s, the women are going to feel more of these perimenopause symptoms ramping up, which means moodiness, uh, sex drive changes, body changes, changes in where your weight is stored around, you know, in your body. Um, or postmenopause, it's more around the abdomen because you don't have as much of that estrogen making you into an hourglass anymore with a small waist. And this stuff happens, you know, throughout the lifespan. And many women who have prided themselves on being very fit and in shape and everything, Thing. They hit their 40s and their 50s. They're like, what the fuck? You know, I'm eating even less, like exercising even more. And the weight is just, I just look different. And yeah, time marches on. Like that is what happens. And this is when self-acceptance is, is really important. And, and acceptance of your wife is very important if you're a guy listening to this. Because, you know, as I've tried to uh, elucidate, time is real. We are none of us immortal. And so therefore things are going to change over the course of the lifespan. Now, 
Also, uh, in the 40s is a very stressful time because you have all these kids usually and they're getting older, they're hitting preteen years, 50s, 40s, 50s, they hit teenage years for some people. Teenaging, teenaging, parenting teenagers is considered the most stressful time of parenting according to any surveys and uh, even more stressful than having toddlers or babies or anything. So frequently women are super stressed when they have teenagers, but then when the teenagers leave the house, contrary to popular belief, when women are empty nesters, the data shows they actually get happier because day to day they're not in conflict with somebody as so many people are with their teenagers. This is why many people do have some sort of small renaissance of their sex life or their romantic life when their kids leave the house. Although again, this is going up against the very real decrease in female desire due to the attenuation of her hormones and any marital problems that have been there underneath all these years when the kids are out of the house in the 50s and beyond it's kind of hard to um to, to continue to tell yourself that things are okay or we'll just deal with it later when it's just you guys and there's no kids for distraction so this is a time that many people come into counseling is their um, late 40s, their early 50s, late 50s, you know, etc. Now, menopause itself, I have a whole podcast on it. Some women, you know, continue to want sex sometimes. Some women don't ever want sex again. And I've discussed that in the menopause one. So we don't really need to get that into that uh, big of you know, don't need to dive too deep on that, but there is certainly variation. And the couples that um, are more loving and accepting of one another and themselves uh, can be really very happy in their later years, despite the fact that their bodies really work very little like they used to. And um, I have, and I've talked about this before, seen a lot of times where the man wants to take Viagra so that he can, in his mind, keep on having erections that are the same as he did when he was a younger man, but her vagina doesn't work the same. There's vaginal atrophy because of, you know, estrogen going away, which means that the thin skin, uh, the vagina is the skin, the tissue, it's thinner. So it hurts you, you know, it's not plump like it used to be. And so there are many different kinds of sex that you can try, you know, involving not as much just straight up penetration. And that can be helpful. But again, if a woman literally doesn't have any desire at all and frequently I hear the phrase I just feel like a totally different person now I I I feel like the girl that I used to be like it's somebody that I knew it's like just not me anymore if you're in that situation and your husband wants sex all the time with Viagra you're gonna come to an impasse usually and that would require empathy on both sides as I discuss so frequently in my podcast so layered upon this by the way is that women struggle a lot more with depression. I say that all the time. Just want to make sure everybody knows that. And within depression, your libido can go away and your general desire for romantic connection can go away. And depression can always be treated. You know, there's like real high rates of treatment-resistant depression because it... Ironically, if you're saying, okay, so depression's a libido killer, what about antidepressants? Well, there, my friend, is a libido killer because most women can't even orgasm on antidepressants. And the rates of that have to be like way underreported because it's like pretty much every woman I speak to, not every, but like, I don't know, three quarters of women I speak to on antidepressants have a sex drive issue, but then it doesn't say that in the literature about antidepressants or in the, you know, the leaflet that you get when you take them. It doesn't say that it's like up to 75%, but I'm, from what I see, 
the rates are much higher. And I think why is because they ask women, like, how often do you have sex? And they may still have sex, but they're just not really feeling much down there or getting that excited or having an orgasm. So whereas, like, to ask men how often do you have sex is a really good indicator of their sexual desire because you need to have an erection to have sex because what we think of as sex is intercourse. And if we expand that definition to be like, can you have an orgasm? A lot of males on antidepressants can't, by the way, have an orgasm, although they could still get hard. But women, it's like, they're like almost like barely there when they're taking antidepressants because their desire is so low, but they are there. <laughs> so if a video camera would see them having sex, they may have, be having sex like once a week still. So if that's what a provider asks in a research study about the effect of, let's say, Zoloft on sex drive, women may still say, yes, I'm having sex once a week. Yes, it's fine. But that may mean I am, you know, basically showing up <laughs> and spreading my legs once a week and I feel absolutely nothing and I'm not further from having an orgasm. I cannot imagine being further from it unless I was in the middle of a dental exam. So, you know, that's just a little um, psychoed on the psychoeducation, meaning education about psychological things, um, about antidepressants effect on your wife's libido. And so that's important information. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't try an antidepressant, but you got to know it's a cost-benefit analysis for many people and something that you need to talk about with your provider. But depression can come at any time, particularly postpartum and also in the premenopausal time when hormones are fluctuating a lot. And so depression is a major player in the biology of many, many more women than people realize. All right, so uh, hopefully this was somewhat um, uh, instructive to you and you learned at least one new nugget of information, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.